Hey, how about you? Good, brother. I'm over. I'm back home in Texas now. So uh, just figured we'd raise our son around some family for a while, and then we'll yeah. we'll find a bigger city to move to when he starts like school age. You know? Yeah, for sure. He's, he's four right now, so he's already getting there. Amazing! Congratulations. Thank you. I'm just gonna take some. I'm gonna take some notes today about the things I'm learning from you. So what did you want to, what did you want to talk? Did you want to talk about uh, like branding or do you want to talk about just entrepreneurship all, overall? You, you uh, get, you get kind of the vibe of the show, right? Like uh, what I wasn't taught, basically what school didn't yeah. teach you, how to, how to build that business, how to build that brand, how to have that confidence and the mindset that comes with being an entrepreneur really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think, I think hitting on a little bit of everything would be key, you know, talking about branding, talking about business mindset, things that I'm up to now, just the whole, the whole nine yards. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what I was thinking. I was like, this dude does way too much for us to pick like one category. Yeah. So, so yeah, brother, I'm going to do the intros all separate. So later on, I'll have you like send me a little bio, just pretending like if you were going to be a guest speaker, like, nope. and I'm like the MC about to announce you just something real short and sweet. Totally. And, and then it'll cut two to us right here. And I kind of just want you to be like, Hey, Casey Adams here. This is who I am. This is what I do. Real short kind of thing. Just so I have that also, because I'll edit this all later and yep. it'll be shorter clips. So I want a video of you saying like who you are and what you do. So I can insert that if I need to. You feel me? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So go ahead tell the people who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Casey Adams and I am a serial entrepreneur and, and newly Hold on, let me try to find, figure out the best way to position myself because I, I do a lot of stuff. So ready? I'll, I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Hello, my name is Casey Adams. I am the host of the Top 50 Business Podcast, Rise of the Young. And over the past couple of years, I've gotten involved in the tech scene and newly in the NFT world. But overall, I have really dedicated my time to building a personal brand, building a very successful podcast, and now utilizing this network for the good of others. So let's go. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. Well, we're glad you're here with us today. Glad that we have the opportunity to be able to learn from you. I know that I met you when you were 17. Were you 17 years old? How yeah, old were you? I think so. I was like 16, 17 when I first really got into this whole space. And I always remember like when I first started this whole movement, Rise of the Young, you were one of the first people that hit me back on Instagram that, you know, was a supporter <laughs> and sort of following me. And it, it was super cool to, to have someone that was rocking with me since back then. You had and the wristbands. Cool. Yeah, the wristbands. You're like, hey, there's this dude that's living in L.A. And you, you were like, you wanted to live in L.A. That was kind of yeah. what you wanted to do. And so you reached out to me like, hey, man, can you take a picture with my <laughs> with my 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 band on in front yeah. of Hollywood sign? Yeah, I was like, yeah, exactly. dude, absolutely. And what's crazy about that to me is I have this thing that I tell the kids all the time, just because social media is an algorithm and you can kind of get caught up in the negativity. If you're following negative people, engaging with negative posts, you kind of get grouped into those echo chambers and your life becomes very negative, surrounded by negative people and negative communities. And so I say, Hey, follow your dreams online, follow your dreams on social media, follow the people that you look up to follow people that are sharing positivity, you know, doing positive things and engage with those types of pictures and posts and people and then eventually when you get online, all you see is inspirational, motivational, positive things. And what yep. it does is, you know, social media is usually the cause of people's anxiety because it brings a bunch of uncertainty. But for me, it's the relief because I get on social media and I see the things that I want and inspires me to get up off the couch and go create that life for myself. 
And yep. it seems like that's what you were doing at a really young age. I don't know if you were like aware of what you were doing, but you were f- looking at things that you wanted and yep. you were reaching out to them. Literally, you're like, this guy's living in a place that I want to live one day. Let's see who he is and how he got there. And yeah. you just kept doing that with everybody. And eventually it built that Justice League, you know, like Jaden says. So, uh, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, when I was 16, 17, coming up in this whole world, I really became obsessed with personal development and this this whole mindset of growth, right? You know, I come from a small town in Richmond, Virginia, where I necessarily didn't have a mentor or someone that I looked up to or wanted to aspire to outside of just my parents, right? They were amazing growing up. But when I first got on social media and fell into this entrepreneurial world, I just became obsessed with not only um, like success and where these people are in life, but the journey to get them there, right? Like everyone sees these quotes about Jeff Bezos in his, in his office with the Amazon sign and the spray paint. And you hear about when Elon Musk went bankrupt. And for me, when I was first learning about all these stories early on, that's what intrigued me. And that's what motivated me because I was like, I can relate to that, right? When someone's first getting started, they have no idea what they're doing. They, they have goals and aspirations, but they are just beginning their journey. Um, and that's what really fueled me to, you know, reach out to more people and eventually start the podcast and interview hundreds of entrepreneurs from all ranges of life. But it was all stemming from that inspiration from a traumatic event in my life, right? Yep. So, you know, when I was 16 or 15 years old, I was almost paralyzed playing football. I was in a neck brace for six months. And throughout this time, I really had to, what I like to say, like reinvent my identity because I was playing football and the doctor told me I could never play football again in my life. And hearing that as a 15 year old kid, like it doesn't just sit well with you. Right. I was very in denial and against it and angry and pissed off at the world. Mm -hmm. But over the course of those three, six months, I found myself watching and listening to people on YouTube that happened to be entrepreneurs just accidentally. And that's when I really found my, my drive and inspiration to reconnect with something that I'm passionate about with, you know, instead of sports, it was business and uh, personal development and growth and entrepreneurship. And from that moment forward, it's just been a whole momentum. (laughs) I like to call just a, a life of momentum has unfolded in front of me and and it's been super exciting to watch and see from the outside. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. I tell people all the time, I think tragedy brings us closer to our purpose. And I don't know if you remember me telling you this, but the reason why I really connected with your story is because I had the same type of thing happen to me. I got injured in football, had a a hole in my esophagus. As crazy as that sounds, that's how hard I got hit. And the doctor said the same thing. Like you probably shouldn't play football anymore. And I, big football town. So it was like, that was everything, right? That was your popularity at school. I mean, like, yeah. if you stopped playing football, you'd actually start failing some classes <laughs> where the coaches and the coaches were the teachers and it just all worked that way. And it was a big shift in momentum for me to put the energy and time that I put into sports, into my music at the time, into my speaking, started that at 15, 16 years old. So it was the same shift. And, and I saw that in you and I was like, wow, you know, this kid's yeah. He's not sitting at home and just, you know, sulking. He's not just going to sit there and and be complacent and tell myself, well, this is what I do now. I guess I got to go get a regular job. I guess I got to go do this, you know, because those thoughts come up and there's some people that are going to watch this and they're in that moment of life right now. And those are the moments in life that define you. 
They are the moments in life that make you who you are. If you can make it through those low moments and reinvest in yourself during the down times, once you're up, you're higher than you were the last time. It's like a staircase. It just keeps going. Reinvest when you're down. Kind of like the stock market. When it's down, you put the money back in, right? You reinvest when everybody else is doubting you. So did you have any moments in your life, like when you decided to make that change, did you have people around you that weren't on the same page? They're like, no, Casey, you should probably just go to school and and get a good job. And did did you have to change circles or was it? Yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. I mean, I always say this, I had a very supporting family growing up, you know, my mom and dad, they were together. They've been married for 30 years and they raised three you know, three boys, me and my two brothers. So it's like, I would say from a family aspect, it was definitely supportive, but it it didn't really start that way. And not because they didn't want to support me, but because what I was doing was so foreign to them and so different, right? You know, I I grew up in a household where I didn't fly on an airplane until I paid for it myself when I was 16. We didn't grow up traveling in any sense. So like when I started hitting up, you know, like talking to my parents about, Hey, like I want to go speak at this event in Los Angeles or, Hey, I want to go to this event in San Diego. Um, like let's do it. It was very, they were against it. Right. They're like, no, no. Like, why would you spend money on that? This is like, you have school. It was, you know, it was just so different for them to hear, but I'm on social media, as you said, looking at, you know, my good friend now, Caleb Maddox and all these different people going to events and speaking all over the world and traveling. And I'm like, this is a normal and realistic thing to do either at my age or in the next couple of years. So I always tell people that one of the hardest sales I've ever had to make was selling my parents on letting me travel (laughs) and and kind of do my own thing in my own lane. And, but once they saw that fire inside of me and uh, my passion towards what I was doing and how I was just not stopping and I was so consistent, then they were more open to it. Right. And, and I also think with momentum creates optimism, right? So early on, my mom, you know, I, I was, or my dad and I, we went to San Diego for the first event that I ever went to because I got invited by one of my buddies, Caleb at the time. And I ended up paying for my dad and I's plane ticket to go to San Diego for like two nights. And like the hotels were free, the event hooked it up. But these, as soon as I got back from this event, um, I reached out to this mentor of mine at the time, Ty Lopez, who he was, you know, he was the one that really got me into this whole space. I was watching his YouTube videos and I hit him up like, hey, Ty, like nine months ago, I was depressed in a neck brace, not sure, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And now like, I'm starting my own business. I just spoke at this event and I'm a lot more happier than I was before. Yeah. And I wasn't really ex- expecting a response, but he ended up hitting me back like 15 minutes later. And he's like, I love the story. Um, how are you almost paralyzed? And then I told him the whole football story and how I got injured and that whole thing. And he was like, you should come to L.A. and shoot a video with me. So two weeks later, he's flying my mom and I out to Los Angeles for the first time ever. I'm going to L.A. and pays for the hotels and shows us a good time and does the whole thing. And it was those two moments, like early 2017, the first time I ever went to California, where A, my parents really had a breakthrough because they saw these things happening. B, it was inspiring and motivating to me. And it was just the right timing. And that really led me to being obsessed with going to more events all of 2017. And that was really a year for me that I was able to expand and grow and travel. And, you know, I I think I missed like 60 days of school, uh, junior year of high school, just traveling (laughs) and going to events and then hosting my own events. So to your point, um, there was at the beginning, a lot of pushback and 
negativity, but it wasn't intentional, right? It was just such a foreign concept to my parents. And then from a like friend side, you know, I grew up in a town where everyone knows everyone and it's a small circle. So, I mean, as I started to grow, I drew away from a lot of the people that I was close with, not because they aren't great people, but because I just didn't relate to them anymore. I didn't relate in the conversations or the activities. My mind was just completely somewhere else for a better you know, purpose. And I was obsessed with what I was doing. So it led me to really being more independent and not going out or hanging out with friends, but being very isolated and in my room and focused on what I was doing. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. And it was really just an, an organic transition, um, not only from people that I was close to, but anyone that wasn't aligned with my vision and goals or people that would say, oh, that's not realistic. Like, it's not that it's not a good thing to have them in your life, but it's just like, I didn't want that energy, right? So I yeah. think to your point, it was these, over the course of time, um, I really started to identify like what's important to me, who do I want to hang around? And especially when I'm hearing these quotes, you know, it's like you are who you associate with, your network is your net worth, like the law of 33%, all these cliche yeah. things, but also are very true and important. Um, they really made sense to me. So that's when I really started spending more time on social, not for the um, intent to just consume, but to produce and to network and to talk to people and to meet people. And it's really just been, um, you know, a lot has came from that, you know, when it comes to the podcast and the interviews and meeting people like yourself back then, like that's what I became excited about is getting that message back, talking to someone that's doing something that I find um, valuable or creative or just um, like going all in on their dreams. Like that's who I wanted to start talking to. And that was, that's what led me to really building a brand on social media. Yeah. I you said, you know, it's cliche, like the, the sayings, the, you, your network is, is the people that you network with and, and the, your average of your five friends, you know, all those cliches. I love cliches personally. I think that that's what makes them fact, you know, scientific fact or fact in general is things that can be reproduced. And we get tired of hearing these because they're true. The truth gets old, lies die. That's what I tell people. lies die when the truth is told the truth gets old and you get tired of hearing it and that's where you get the term cliche so if it's cliche it's probably right you should probably (laughs) just follow the examples but I relate to you 110% bro I actually uh junior year of high school my principal pulled me in and was like dude you've missed so many days this because I was already speaking you know you've missed so many days I don't even know if you can graduate and I was like well look man I'm probably not going to college like uh I'm gonna be a speaker so uh He's like, yeah, we know what you're doing. He said, we're just going to say that you were at an athletic event and he passed me. Like they just passed wow. me on, on that, just trusting yeah. me and trusting what I was doing. And that's what you're talking about, the momentum thing. When you can work so hard towards something in one direction that people will take notice to the point that they're like, you know what? It might not make sense to me, but I know Casey and it's going to work if he's doing it, you know, and then yeah. people get behind you and they push. So when you made these new friends and you made this new group and this new circle, did you have to deal with the old friends saying like, Hey, you've changed, you know, did you have to deal Um, with that? I mean, a little bit, but not really. I mean, for me, it was like, I I don't know if it was people that I like used to spend more time with. They just, um, you know, I, I don't know if they felt a certain way or not. Like when I really just, I wouldn't, I don't like to say cut people off, but didn't hang around people too much. 
it was just like a natural evolution of not hanging out. Right. But I mean, I, I definitely felt it a little bit, but it, I never really spent any mental time on it. Right. Like if people had an issue or were being haters or anything, like I would address it and maybe say something positive back and move on. Right. I don't, I don't like to dwell on negativity that comes my way unless it's like it's necessary. And it actually is like, you know, coming from an accurate place. But if it's just people saying things that, and it's, you know, it's coming from their end and they don't like what you're doing, like, cool. But to be honest, I didn't receive that much of it. You know, like I think, um, no, I still know and talk to people that I used to hang out with back in high school and stuff, but everyone's doing their own thing, right? Like people are busy, they do their thing. And (laughs) you know, that that's what I have learn to find out. <laughs> yeah, man, we're, we're always so worried that everybody's like looking at our every move, you know, but people are yeah. so focused on themselves that they're not really, you know, paying attention to you half the yeah, time, you know? Exactly. So let's, let's get into the business part of it. Um, you're really good at building a brand. You're really good at telling a story. That, that's what comes across when I go to your Instagram and I see the things that you're doing. You're really good at, you know, when people see your content, they know who Casey Adams is. Like you're very yeah. personal, feels like you're, you're Casey's friend when you're following, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's hard to do as somebody uh, such as myself that, you know, travels and speaks to people and has a business and a brand himself. How did you learn this? What were you not taught about branding? What did you have to learn the hard way? Yeah, man. I mean, for me, personal branding has always been um, a number one priority. And like the importance of it has, putting importance on it has opened up so many opportunities for me, you know, and it all started out back in like 2016, 2017, when I even learned what personal branding was, right? I remember hearing a a quote from Gary Vee or a saying where he's like, your personal brand is the digital representation of you and you need to craft content that's authentic to who you are now. And, you know, I say it right now, how it is. I say back then when I was building a brand versus what I'm doing today with content is completely different. And like for me, um, starting when I was 16, 17, I had nothing really to talk about. So I, I leaned on um, others knowledge. I was doing book reviews and I was doing, um, like different quote pieces that I found valuable. And I was trying to tell my story based on where I currently was when it comes to being in a neck brace and having to transition and, um, being inspired to build and grow a business. So, you know, back then it was a completely, completely different approach than what I do today. And one thing that I always talk about is, I had a really big transition in my just personal brand when I started my podcast and why that happened was I like to call it association marketing, which is, you know, over the past three years, I've done over 300 plus interviews with entrepreneurs and just founders or musicians or whoever it may be. And a lot of them have their own brand and they have their own audience and they have their own successes that interviewing them and being branded alongside of them has ultimately built my brand and credibility and reputation. Yeah. Whether that was with interviewing Larry King or Rick Ross or Robert Greene or May Musk, whoever it may be or whoever, what category may fall into that. Um, I would say like the repetition of that over three years, it's, it's hard to go back to, right? Like a lot of people know me as a podcaster because I do a lot of interviews, but for me, that's the, 
what I like to call like the lead magnet where I do all these interviews, but it really funnels into everything that I'm doing business-wise, when it, whether it's consulting or raising money or launching a tech product, whatever it may be. Like that's really the top of funnel branding vehicle that I've built and I utilize to meet people that funnels into my business, but it's also great for building a brand. And back to the point of um, like what I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know really anything about this. I grew up on social media. You know, I got on there in 2013 and I was just posting up until when I started learning about this, just, you know, how any high schooler would with pictures of their friends and hanging out or whatever it may be. And until I learned the value of building your social media footprint, I was ignoring it. But as soon as I found out the importance, I really went all in, right? Like I was focused on building a brand, being on all platforms, but it took me a while to really find my groove and figure out how to actually do it. But over the course of time and years of meeting the right people and asking the right questions, I, I've figured out in my own way how I can best utilize social media, right? I always tell people, I don't want to be the most famous person ever, but I want to have a great brand, a great reputation, and be able to get in touch with anyone who I may need to or want to for business-wise, for personal reasons, for whatever it may be at the time. And I feel as if right now with the podcast, it's it, it's opened up so many doors um, to people I may want to connect with. And that, and, and that is the core reason why I do what I do. Yeah, dude, uh, the podcast thing is amazing by the way, like I'm Thank only, you. you're, you're number 28 right now. And I'm trying to compile a bunch of them <laughs> before I get it all going. But uh, just talking to people so far for the past month, every single day, people that inspire me that I look up to, uh, what it does for my mental health is insane. Like I'll leave this conversation here today, happy as can be, you know, yeah, dude. I'm a better husband, a better father, a better everything because of taking yep. the time to talk to people that I consider to be above me, honestly, the people that I look up to, people that are inspiring. And what it's also done is, yes, it's opened a bunch of doors. I mean, the other day I, I found a guy that knew a guy that works at Atlantic Records and then now he's mastering one of my songs for me and he's going to be on the show. Like it just things work like that. And, and I try to tell people that all the time that it's not always um, what you know, it's who you know. You, yep. ha you have to know people and you have to get out there and you have to get connected. That's a big part of my speeches today in schools is connection and yep. connection, connection's important, bro. I mean, the kids know that if you went home and unplugged your Wi-Fi router, you'd feel disconnected. That's, yeah. the, that's the same <laughs> feeling that I think somebody gets when they walk into a room and they feel alone. Nobody talks to them or they come face to face with a problem in life that they feel that nobody else has ever been through it before. They feel alone and disconnected. So yeah. if we could just kind of think about our communities, our households, our schools or wherever you're at as one big Wi-Fi hotspot, only some of you have the password, right? It's <laughs> up to you to go out there and get connected and, and look and see the disconnection and, and piece it all together. I think yep. you're a really good example of that for the kids. How old are you now? 20. Okay. So you're just now 20. You're not even legal. You're not even 21. <laughs> and, and you've already I'm done lie. so much, like, like for reals. I think that that's, I could be wrong, but when I look at your personal branding, you're proof. You're an example of what is possible at a young age. I mean, rise of the young, that, that's, that's like yeah. the mission statement, right? And, and you brought that up. I mean, that's, that's, it's, a, it's a powerful thing because there's a lot of kids that are in like a career limbo right now towards the end yeah. of high school, right? They don't know what they want to do versus what they 
want versus what they need versus what their parents say, what their teachers say, what their friends say they should do. There's like a million directions that they can go. Yep. So what, what, what did you, how did you calm that noise and figure out what you actually wanted? Like, cause you have to have that in order to build the personal brand on. Yep. But that's a hard thing to figure out from the beginning is what you want. How did you figure totally. that out? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a very, not only valuable question, but necessary question for anyone in life, especially young people that are trying to figure out their early stage of life. And, you know, for me, I think it was really, it it came to me naturally. And what I mean by that is like with this negative situation that happened in my neck brace and I was forced to look a different way, like this whole just concept of entrepreneurship and being your own boss and working for yourself, like I, I became obsessed with that because for me, having two older brothers, I, I've seen them work at different restaurants and I saw them go to community college and drop out. And, you know, like, I, I, don't, I never diss college in any sense. Like, I think it's very valuable. And, but me and my personal journey, I saw what my brothers were doing and I saw what wasn't working. Right. So I really had a, a firsthand example of like what I did want to do or what I didn't want to do. And, and I was very certain with what I didn't want to do. And I think that may be the first step for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. For me, yeah. it, it wasn't, I don't want to go to college, but it was, I don't want to go spend four years of my life to go work for somebody else. Like, how can I acquire skill sets and become valuable to the marketplace so that I don't have to do that? And that ultimately eliminates like a whole 50% um, of where you could spend your time. And once I realized, okay, I want to be my own boss and I want to um, start my own business and um, ultimately dictate my own future and not that doesn't have a cap on it it led me down this whole path of entrepreneurship. And within that, I knew I needed to build a brand and make connections and and build my reputation. So that's really where I started focusing on first, right? And on top of that, it was like, okay, what skill sets do I want to learn? At the time, I was following Ty Lopez and he started talking about Facebook advertising and managing social media accounts. So that was the first thing that I, A, learned about, but B, turned to. So I started learning Facebook ads and I was calling up local businesses, just cold calling them, trying to sell them on allowing me to run their Facebook ads. And then I started working with my dentist or my chiropractor or a little sports shop or whatever it may be. So I started getting this just early momentum, um, not only just making money, but being able to go through the process of starting a business, making a, you know, closing a sale and that itself, I didn't know what my five, 10 year vision was. I didn't know I'd be getting into the tech world, developing a product and um, raising capital and all these different things that I'm now doing now. But I, I just took the first step. And I think that's the most important thing where, you know, any, everyone can have a five, 10 year plan, but if you're not taking that one step and then another step the day after, and you know, just one step a day to get you in a direction, then you're just going to be standing and not moving. And I think the lack of action is the most detrimental thing in anyone's life. If you're just overthinking about everything, you, you think about things a hundred times when in reality, if you just take one step, and then figure out where you need to go next. Like that's the best recipe for success in my opinion. And that's really what I did early on. It was, I don't know how to build my brand. I'm just going to post this or, oh, I don't know how to connect with someone. I'm just going to send this message. I don't know how to start a podcast. I'm just going to, you know, Google it and record my first episode on my Apple headphones. Like it was just a step into another that led me to where my, to where I am. And I still live by that philosophy, right? Like I saw this whole NFT craze happened like two, three yeah. months ago and it came across my plate and I became very excited about it. And 
I, I understood the technology and I had a friend that was an artist who just crushed it. And we worked at a deal where I just took a step of interest that led to a step of a collaboration. And then we ended up, you know, doing a sale. Then I've been helping put some other deals together. So it's like that wouldn't have happened if I was just trying to read about it for three weeks before I made any action. It, it was my execution and having that mentality of let me just try something new and take that one step that allows me to move quick on anything that I want to do in life. And I'll always live by that philosophy because I think it's super important to execute rather than overthink. Yeah. Execute over overthinking, bro. That's, that's the big key right there. <laughs> I think it'd be cool though, for uh, the people that when they're watching this, if they don't know what an NFT is, would Casey Adams yeah. explain it to them? That'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, for, for clarity, I'm no expert at all in any sense in NFTs, but I have learned a, a little bit over the past month and a half, two months that I've been involved in the space. But in a nutshell, NFTs, what it means is non-fungible token. And the, the best way I like to describe it is something that is fungible is something like a dollar bill, where if Jared has a dollar bill and I have a dollar bill, we can exchange it and it has equal value. But something that is non-fungible, an NFT, that means that we have something that is different in value and we cannot just easily trade it to receive the same amount of value, right? And that leads to, um, you know, a lot of the NFT space has recently blew up in the digital art community, right? Like you see a $70 million piece sell from Beeple and all of these different celebrities and artists getting into it. But to keep it simple, what an NFT is and why it's important is it's transparency of ownership on the blockchain. And you can share transparency with everybody, whether that's art, whether that's a eventually real estate transactions, concert tickets, whatever it is. Like the overarching technology is just proof of ownership or transparency on the blockchain. But like I said, it's really blown up in this digital art community where similar to, you know, the one of one Picasso, right? Like the, the original Picasso painting is one of one and there's only one real Picasso. People can have posters of Picassos and print it out on the internet, but it's not the same. Same thing as an NFT, where if an artist or a digital artist um, mints or creates a piece of art on the blockchain, he can sell that to somebody and exchange wallets in, to the consumer, which then therefore that consumer owns the, the one of one um, piece of art or the one of 100 piece of art. So it really allows... Um, exclusive ownership of digital assets. And really, mm. that's what it means. That's why it's important. And for me, just diving headfirst into it, one of my buddies, Television, he's an amazing um, digital animator. He did this collaboration with a couple of different artists and um, or rappers, I should say, like Chief Keef and Sway Lee and all these different people. And he wanted to do a piece uh, that really had a story tied to it. And that's when we started brainstorming. We made a piece about my podcast and my interviews. And it was like this microphone going around a table. And for, I just dove headfirst into the community, right? I started messaging um, NFT collectors on Twitter and getting to know them and interviewing a couple of them. And with that momentum, when we put it out there, you know, we ended up selling the piece for 10 Ethereum or whatever. And I don't say the price to say like, hey, we, we sold it, but it just shows you with like focusing on community, learning about the space and and telling a story, like you can find momentum in it right now. And do I believe it's a bubble? No, but there is a lot of hype around it right now. Yeah. But I fundamentally believe in the future of um, like what the space is and the technology overall. 
Yeah. And that's, that's a big part of just investing in anything. You got to understand that there always is that initial hype, right? And you got to be careful yeah. to be the guy that buys high and sells low. So if you accidentally do get in while something's hyped up and it goes down, I wouldn't freak out. It's just, it's just correcting. It's just going to yeah. find a new middle and then it'll average out there and it'll go up from there. That's just going to keep going. You were just ahead of the game, but a little late at the same time. Yeah, for, <laughs> the, sure, for sure. I see it like showing up late for a party. You're not really late. You're just early for the next party. If that makes, <laughs> if that makes sense. Sure. If you stay there long enough. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, bro, that was great. That was a great uh, explanation there, man. That's really cool. I appreciate so, it. When it comes to like your personal brand and and when you started to build it and you started to create it and things started to go your way and you're basically, it sounds like you're just trying things out. Is that like the main uh, yeah, for sure, message? Man. Like you have to just get out there and try things. When something new comes across your radar, you jump in, like no hesitation. Yeah. And same thing with um, like TikTok, you know, I'm not the biggest person on TikTok, but like when I first um, found out about it, like, you know, over a year ago, it was still hot and it was coming up. But I, you know, I helped like 40 or 50 of like these big friends of mine or influencers, or I guess you could say like mini celebrities get on TikTok, understand the value of it. And some of them went off to have millions of followers on the platform. And it was me doing, you know, I spoke at this event in Boston and actually one of my friends, Mike Metzger, he just put out this whole post about how TikTok has changed his brand and everything. And he shouted me out in the video because I did this whole speech on TikTok at this event. And I had a completely other speech prepared, but it was like a week before I, I wanted to change it and talk about TikTok the whole time because it was important to me and I think it would be valuable. Yeah. So that's what I did. And, you know, I wouldn't say I'm ahead of the curve on everything, but whenever I see something that I align with, I try to talk about it, right? So, I mean, right now it's NFTs and a year it might be AI, whatever it may be. Yeah. But I, I think for me, I've always been just, curious naturally having curiosity is um what will move you forward and something that i learned from larry king in my interview he always talks about you know i've never learned anything while i was talking and to stay curious and i try to uh, adopt that mentality across my brand and my business like how can you stay curious about what's next about what's happening instead of going um and being in denial or pessimistic about something like how can you just carry that positive outlook into everything just to learn about it, to have that curiosity, even if it may not be the next craze or it may not be um, something that's going to move the needle for you. Just having curiosity towards everything for me, I think has um, allowed me to move forward, especially quickly when it comes to building a brand or having a podcast. Um, because if I find something I'm curious about and I actually enjoy it and, and I'm passionate about it, that's when I go all in and the needle just moves a little bit more. And that's when I have complete certainty with what I'm talking about and what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, for people that are starting their businesses, starting their brands and they're hearing this and they're like, well, it sounds expensive uh, to, <laughs> to try everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's kind of a mindset thing and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I started at some age to look at money as a tool instead of the goal. Like when I was a kid, you know, it was like, I just want to get rich, man. I'm trying to get successful. <laughs> I'm trying to get a lot of money. And it was like, well, there's not like a motive behind it. Like you'll never accomplish your mission in life if you don't even know what your motives are. Why yep. are you doing this? Money is just a tool to help you progress your passion. Like that's really yep. what it is. And it wasn't until I found the reason why 
I wanted to do all of this, that I started to look at, okay, well, it's not really that much money to try this out because of the reward. I was able to see past the dollar, right? That's how much it's going to cost. Because people are just like, wait, wait, how much is that going to cost? Nah, I can't afford it. How much that? Nah, I can't afford it. And you're missing out on opportunities. And and one of those things could be something that creates you, you know, like imagine if back in the day you said, nah, it's too expensive. I don't want to write a book. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to buy the, the, how much is that microphone and the camera and the, I can't do a podcast. Uh, you yeah. know, and it just, it keeps going, you know? So how, how did you like mentally get past, you know, how, how expensive things are like life is expensive, yeah. you know? So totally. How yeah, did I mean, you do it? I, th- I think early on it was just being resourceful, right? Like, like I said earlier, my, my first podcast that I did, I used my Apple headphones and it was like the ones that come with your iPhone. And I didn't overthink buying a microphone or getting a camera, you know, some of the earliest podcasts of mine were all done over zoom or using Facebook live. And I used my computer um, that I had since high school and still have the same computer just to record that interview. Right. So I I think nowadays, especially in 2021, like I, I have a lot of people that come to me asking me questions about how to start a podcast successfully or how to book guests. And, you know, some people maybe have a budget to go book guests on their show, whatever it may be. But for me, it was just about being resourceful and having, you know, growing up in a a household where my mom makes 18 grand a year. My dad's worked at uh, the same company for 25 years and, you know, he does well, but we didn't come from a a family that's just throwing around money, right? Like every dollar you have to stretch. That's like my mindset growing up. So for me, it was just about, okay, like, let me use what I have and not overthink something or have to go get something before I start. It was just about starting and then figuring it out. And, you know, it's a different approach than maybe what I tell people today where it's like, Hey, like in the podcast world now, audio quality is very important and quality of content is like, you have to focus on it more. But when I first was starting in this whole space, podcasting specifically, um, like, you know, it's free to start a podcast. I already had my Apple headphones. It's, it, it was just about investing time. And I think the same way where people think about money and the, the investment into something as like, oh, that might be, you know, I can't afford it. It's, it's the same thing with time, in my opinion, where everyone has a lot going on and it takes time to learn a new skill. It takes time to whether that's start a podcast or to reach out to people or to be consistent and follow up 10 times to then go do it. And I always tell people like the three things that you must do when building a brand is invest your time, maybe some money, but your energy and your, your passion as well. So like for me early on, when I was starting to make some money from affiliate marketing and having some Facebook clients, I remember like reinvesting to go traveling was the best ROI, right? Like if I made $2,000 and I knew it was $700 to go travel somewhere and I was going to stay there for two nights and I had two buddies with me, like we could do it. Um, but for me, it was like that connection is worth so much more 10 years down the line of getting to know them at this age with what I'm doing and allowing them to build with me. Um, but I think it's definitely a, a mindset thing. Number one, which is like, of course, live within your means, but how can you be resourceful with your means? Right? Like whenever I, I, sometimes I would do all my podcasts online, but then I remember one time I, when I interviewed Grant Cardone, actually, I I was emailing his assistant. I was like, Hey, um, I'll be in Miami next Thursday. Uh, I'd love to interview Grant while I'm in town. I'll be in town from Thursday to Monday. And she was like, Hey, like he's available on Friday. Um, here's the address. Come by. 
And I said that and I, I sort of just like pitched myself in the future. And what I mean by that is yeah, I had yeah. no plans to be in Miami. Um, <laughs> I did, I've never been to Miami. And once he said yes, like there was no other option but to show up. And I would be willing mm. to do anything it takes to make that happen because I know that was so valuable where you don't even think about or at the time, you know, I didn't I wasn't thinking about the two hundred dollar plane ticket and that, oh, I probably shouldn't do that or whatever. I was thinking if I don't do that, I'm going to have so much regret. It's it's not you know, I'm going to miss that next door of opportunity or or that that next connection or whatever it may be. And that's how I was thinking about it, where it's like I can't afford not to do that when it comes to the future of my career and the, the connections that I wanted to make and, you know, the, the platform that I'm building with my podcast. So I think it's a, it's a mind shift mindset shift, but B utilizing what you have. Right. Because I mean, I, I still meet people to this day where, um, you know, I may be spending money on a management tool or some type of software. And sometimes people just do it better manually or whatever it may be where like, yes, as you said, like life is expensive. And, and I've learned that a lot more now as I'm living on my own the last two years and having a girlfriend and all these different things where it's definitely a different mindset than when I was 16, living at home with zero expenses and just going to travel and do something. And I think, like, as I just said, like my mindset will continue to shift on money, but it still has that same philosophy of utilizing what you have and, um, you know, thinking about things, not that I can't afford them, but you can't afford not to do that. Or um, just like having that. that mentality of like, if, if, if something is really important to you, there shouldn't be any other option, right? Yes, it's, it's, it's good to be realistic in a sense, but just that simple phrase, like I can't afford not to do that. If it's going to an event, if it's trying to be consistent with having that person on your show, if it's raising money for that business that you believe in, like, it's just, a, it's a game of consistency, you know? Dude, that, that was, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was, <laughs> that, that's a line right there, bro. Don't think about what you can afford. Just think about what you can't afford. Like what, what can yeah. you not afford to miss out on? Like you're not thinking about it in a sense of money. It's not about money. Like it's about something bigger yeah. than that. And, and you said yeah. something earlier that I, I'm going to sound like a broken record on this uh, podcast when it comes to each guest, because every single person so far has said, at some point, I just had to figure it out. <laughs> and like, that's what they say. Yeah. And, and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, dude, I think the sentence that you should tell anybody when they ask you, what does it take to be successful is figure it out. Like, that's it. Like successful people, they yeah. just go from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. They figure it out. They never quit. That's that's it. They yep. have mastered the art of starting over. And, and that's it. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked me, uh, it was a mortgage company in Dallas, Texas. They're like, hey, uh, we'd like you to come speak to the staff. Do you have content for, you know, like a mortgage loan company staff? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, no, absolutely not. But it's in three weeks. <laughs> so I'll figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can do that for sure. And uh, it, it, it reminds me of one of my favorite uh, comedians. His name's Daniel Tosh. I don't know if you ever watched Daniel Tosh. Yeah, for sure. But it's he like has, Tosh point out, right? Yeah. So when I was in high school, and I'll never forget this, since I'm a speaker, motivational speakers are, are comedians to me. That's who it is, you know? Yeah. And uh, he was like, if the world was ending and there's a guy running towards you with a gun and then there's a bunch of people behind him, they're angry, they're coming to get him, you know, and he runs up to you and he says, hey, man, you know how to fly that plane? He's like, you say yes. And it was just like, yeah. it was just random, yeah. you know, he's like, you just say yes. He's like, because you just watched him like off like two guys that said no. 
he's at you, you figure it out. And as, and as corny as that is, it was just a joke. It stuck with me at a young age. It was like, just don't say no to opportunity and you'll eventually be successful. You yep. just figure it out. Yep. So, and that, that, I agree with that. That's what you've been doing, man. That's what you've been doing for a long time. You've just been figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, dude, absolutely. And I think even to this day, like I have my parents coming to town next week and it's like, they're always so curious about what I'm up to. And, you know, I live in California now, they live in Virginia and it's like, whenever I talk to them, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm still figuring it out every day. You're figuring it out. Right. Like right yeah. now with my company, uh, media kits, it's, we're raising capital. And it's my first time, like really raising a, a pre-seed round of a million dollars. And currently like I'm figuring it out, but we, we've had some early success with it. And we have now a great team of board of advisors, all this type of stuff, but it's my first time really getting into the tech world, raising capital, launching a product, hiring um, like a full-time staff where, you know, it's like I've done hundreds of these interviews and maybe I know how to do it or I've, I've learned philosophies and principles that people use when raising capital or, or hiring a, a developer. But at the end of the day, I'm figuring it out and it's new to me and I have no experience in, you know, in my brain of doing that. So I, I, every single day, like we're figuring it out day by day. And then, you know, maybe I have some advantages because I've asked a lot of the great, like, great questions and I've spoken to great people, but that doesn't, um, stop you from having zero experience in that space, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, that, that would be like the motto. Of, that's kind of the point of the show right here. What I wasn't taught is you just got to go yeah. figure it out. So let's flip the script real quick. Uh, it shows what I wasn't taught. Let's flip it. What were you taught? What are some things from some mentors that you have that kind of stick with you daily? I'm some, something that when it, when they told you it was so profound that it just like shook the inside and it was like this, all right, I'm living by that right now. You have any gyms like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one from a, from a networking perspective um, is super important. You actually said a half of it earlier. This is what I like to tell people, you know, you hear the quote, it says like, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Yeah. I sort of live by this philosophy of it's not about what you know, it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. Ooh, and like that. That simple approach to networking is important because you know, you can know a lot of people, but at the end of the day if you pick up the phone or if you if you reach out to someone like who knows you, not just knows your name, but knows who you are, knows your character, knows your story, knows what you're building like who actually knows that, right? Like, it's easy to follow somebody on social media and like a couple of their pictures and say, yeah, I know them or yeah, they know me, but who actually knows you, right? And for me, I've always tried to spend time building quality, deep relationships, right? And I always tell myself like, who do I need to know by the time I'm 25 so that over the next decade, two decades, they have known me since this age and this um, level of my journey, right? So, I mean, that's one yeah. thing. It's just from a networking angle. And then number two, and I would say this is just really comes from all of the great people I've interviewed is consistency triumphs any failure. And if you go from one failure to the next, like you said earlier, with the same um, amount of passion and energy, like you will succeed. And I remember I, I interviewed the founder of Twitch recently and you know, on a high note, they sold to Amazon for $970 million. But early on, they had to make like four or five different business pivots when things were going so wrong. They had no money left. They were figuring it out. And just to hear stories like that continuously, it really has at least reassured me that like in any business venture you have or any journey in life, 
Like there will be hardships. There will be things that go wrong, but the people that win are the people that just a never quit, but B always have that optimism to move into a different path. And I, I think that's definitely like those two lessons of, um, building network and allowing people to know you. And then just having that, um, optimism is key. And then number three, and I'll end with this. And I, and I, I kind of touched on it earlier, but like one of the most important interviews that I've done is with Larry King, you know, rest in peace to him. And he said something that I, I touched on earlier, but he said, I've never learned anything while I was talking. And I really take that to heart because it's so true, right? Like when you're reading a book or when you're listening to a podcast or even growing up in school, it's like you don't learn things when you're talking. And sometimes, you know, people that think they know it all and they try to teach and educate all the time, like those aren't the people really learning and growing. It's the people that are always a student, right? Like continuing to be a student is very important to me. And, you know, there's a quote where it's like real education um, doesn't happen in school. It happens the moment you leave. And yeah. I try to live by that every day. And that's why I love, you know, having my podcast. I get to ask questions to some of the brightest minds and spend 30, 45 minutes to listen to what they have to say, the hardships that they've went through. So that's what I would say is also, you know, one of the things that I like to live by that I try to remind myself of every single day. Yeah. And, and just from going to schools, I can tell you that the quietest person in the room, most of the time is the smartest person in the room. The quietest person in the room often has the most things going on with them, like in their life, and they stay silent and they just listen. And, and the loudest person is often the most ignorant person in yeah. the room that's trying to cover up, you know, something else with, with being loud, you know, trying to distract people. And that's just on a mental health standpoint. But uh, before you go, I, I know it's about time for you to go. Um, is there anything that you do to help? with your mindset, the mental health side of things, you know, I'm a mental health guy and that's what I do. And a lot of young kids that look up to you, is there something that you do maybe daily, maybe weekly, something that keeps your mind in check and something that they could adopt and practice that you think would help them? Yeah. I, mean, I would say there's, I think there's two things for me. Number one, I've always been, um, an avid journaler and sometimes I'm not as much, sometimes I'm doing it every day, but right now, like I'd love to like express how I'm feeling or what I'm working on or my goals in a journal, you know, pen on paper. And for me, like that's a form of expression. Maybe for some it's listening to music, but for me, when it comes to um, like getting things out and working through some hardship or just staying focused, I like to open up to myself and even like write messages to my future self. Like sometimes I'll try to write a message and I always write it like a letter. I'm like to Casey, like, you know, right now you're doing this. And I, I sort of talk about what I'm going through in a positive light or a negative light. And I write it as if I'm going to read it later. And that's sort of a philosophy that I've learned to do when writing, just because, you know, sometimes I'll do that. And then uh, six months will go by and then I'll read some of these notes to myself. And I'm like, wow, that little thing that I was focused on or that decision I had to make, like it's, it doesn't, it's irrelevant in hindsight, but I was spending so much mental energy and thought on that when in reality, it was just a little drop in a bucket of um, like what my future entails. So that's one thing is just spending time to open up to, to write, um, especially when it's hard. Like sometimes I don't do it every single day. And then as soon as I get back into it, I'm like, wow, 
I've been missing this feeling of openness and just expression. And I think number two, for me, it's just talking to family. You know, like I grew up in a, a great household. My mom and dad are still together. You know, there's so many people out there that have divorced parents and it's difficult or they had a hard upbringing. And I think my parents did a great job at covering some of that up, like some of their hardships, you know, if things were going so bad or they were on their last dollar, whatever it may be, like they always tried to show love and happiness and positivity. And they would do anything they can in the world to make sure my brothers and I were happy. So I think even to this day, like if I have something going wrong or, or my mental energy isn't right, I'll just call my mom or, or call my dad because it just brings me back to center. You know, like one of my mom always told me, like when I was thinking about moving to LA or moving to Arizona, she just says like, stay true to your roots. And I, I take that to heart because I think it's so easily, you can so easily be influenced by your new environment or these new people you talk to, or just this whole new world where if I want to bring myself back to center, it's asking about her, how her day went and what she's going through or, or some of the things that she's dealing with. And for me, that those two things are very special to me with um, journaling, talking to family, because as I said before, like, especially this world that I'm in of interviewing people and talking to highly successful people, it's like sometimes you may think like, wow, like if you're going through something that's hard, like everyone's life is perfect and, and everyone can believe this, right? People compare themselves to others. They, they get down on themselves. And, you know, I'm guilty of that too sometimes, even though I, I lead my life with optimism and positivity. But I think, again, and, and I'll just, I'm, I'm so consistent with this message because those two things in my life have, have paid dividends when it comes to remaining positive and happy day to day and just being grateful. And I, I try to live by that for sure. Bro, honestly, it goes kind of in line with what I'm talking about in my messages. I talk about how your story is valid, no matter who you are. Like, I want people to realize that. I think a lot of people, they feel like their story is insignificant, like it doesn't matter because maybe they see people that are more successful than them or they see people that are not as successful as them or people that have it harder than they do. And they tell themselves, well, my story doesn't matter because, you know, they, they've done this or they've been through that. And, you know, it's insignificant what I've been through. And that's just not true. It's just not true. I tell people all the time, if you're a human being and you're here right now, you have it hard. Life is hard. And one of my favorite psychologists that I look up to, his name's Jordan Peterson. Have you heard Jordan? Yep. He, Jordan he, he says all the time, life is suffering, but it's up to you how long and how much you suffer. And, and most people just hear that first part and you just hear life is suffering. What? And they shut off. That's it. <laughs> but the second part basically just means that you're in control. You know, it's just as simple as that. You have to allow people to get to know you. Like you said earlier, you have to allow people to know the true you. And that builds real true relationships built on trust. And these relationships yep. last. And these are the relationships of the people that are going to hold you up when you're down. People that are going to help you out when you're out, you know, and help you when you're down and you're out. And you've yep. created something, man, a community. And we as human beings, that's why we live in these communities. We're social animals. We need that connection. We need that love, affection. We need all that. If we don't get it, we're stressed, disconnected, depressed. Yep. It's just a part Absolutely. of life, brother. So I love your I message. Agree. I love what you're doing. Uh, 
Of course, bro. I'm proud of you. I've been proud of you for a long time. I know it's weird. Uh, I'm older than you. So I look at you like the <laughs> kids that I go speak in schools and I'm like, yeah, this, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of them. I know you're, you're twice your age mentally, but, <laughs> but, I, but I'm proud Thanks, of you, man. man. And, I, and I'm glad you exist. <laughs> Let's say that. I appreciate it, Jared. It so, uh, a lot, man. It was a pleasure coming on. Absolutely. Can you just let people know uh, where they could find you if they wanted to reach out to you and I'll put it down below in the description. Yeah. So I would say the best place to follow me is on Instagram. It's just at Casey, C-A-S-E-Y. And then to listen to the podcast, it's Rise of the Young. Anywhere you can listen to a podcast, it'll be there. And then when in regards to what I'm building and where I'm spending a lot of my time, it's mediakits.com. And that's really where I'm spending a lot of my mental energy and time when it comes to the company I'm building. So definitely check it out. Is it Media Kids or Kit? Kits. M- Media Kits. K-I-T-S. Media Kits. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, look forward to awesome. seeing everything that you do. I know it's going to be amazing. And uh, maybe one day we'll have you back on the show. But For sure. Thank you so much, Jared. I appreciate it. All righty.